career as a global peacemaker, Christian peacemaker, and trying to teach people how to take what we call transforming initiatives, where you take something that's bad, you enter into it, and you, you turn it around, do something constructive. And um, so even though we're retired, we're seeing the kind of ripples of some of that. And uh, Sudan's been in the news a lot lately, and we've trained a lot of people in Sudan and some people in South Sudan. And one of the people I'd, uh, that we trained in South Sudan uh, just told us this week about a, a major peace initiative where they'd brought together people from all these different ethnic groups that had been fighting each other and, and um, the kind of this peace process and stuff that was going on. And he was so excited about it. And then he connected me to some Sudanese in the US There's a big Sudanese community here uh, to kind of support the process and be engaged. So that was kind of cool. Uh, but, you know, from this kind of big, huge, you know, nations and stuff down to intimate families. Uh, this week uh, we had, uh, Lily was off school for one day, so we had her all day. And um, at one point she wanted to make masks. And so I'm making masks with her, cutting them out, you know, and she's putting the face up against me and poking in my eyes to draw where the eyes go. And then we colored the masks in. And then she said, we're gonna be kidnappers. Okay, so what do you do? Do you try to, you know, say, try to steer it and into a positive direction? And I decided just to go along with her and see what happened. And uh, so, you know, we're going to be kidnappers. We're going to go into the room where grandma is and, you know, kidnap her and all this. And, and, uh, and somewhere along the way, it clicked into her that that's not a good thing. And so, so I saw her without me steering her at all, go through this thing of how do you transform that? And so we kept the masks on, but we started doing good uh, to people, you know, kind of like secret, uh, secret uh, friends, you know, doing some good things. And, and I just thought it was so cool how, how God, you know, helped her to think through and make that understanding and transform her own situation in play. And um, so Sharon's up there right now teaching the kids about the time she got mugged. And that's an amazing transforming story. And so those of you with kids, I think it's the fourth and fifth graders or something like that. Anyway, you'll have to ask what the story was. <laughs> All right. Oh, one more, Jackie. Big news, I stepped on the scale today and I dropped one pound. <laughs> and I've got a joke. Okay. Knock, knock. Cow say. No, cow say moo. <laughs> All right, and I think we end testimony time with a joke, okay. <laughs> All right, we have one more song for, for everybody. Uh, why don't you stand up? 
Uh, this is a song we sung, sung about two, two months ago, I think, and uh, let's see how it goes. My mind, it longs for thee. My soul, it knows what it needs. That your spirit would move in me. That your presence would pull me down. I've encountered the Spirit, felt the love of the Father, felt to find the Savior, and it changed me forever. I've encountered the goodness, felt the truth and the power. I've been saved by Jesus. And I'll praise him forever. My heart to you I bring. My hope it holds on to sing. That your spirit would move in me. That your presence would pull me deep. I've encountered the Spirit, felt the love of the Father, found thy life in the Savior, and it changed me forever. I've encountered the goodness, felt the truth and the power. I've been saved by Jesus. And I praise him forever. No weapon formed against me, they shall prosper. Lord, just lead me. And your goodness and your mercy, they will follow. Lord, just lead me. No weapon come against me. They shall prosper. Lord, just lead me. And your goodness and your mercy they will follow lord just lead me no weapon formed against me they will prosper lord just lead me and your goodness and your mercy they will follow, nor just lead me. No weapon formed against me. They will prosper, Lord, just lead me. And your goodness and your mercy, they will follow. Lord, just lead me. Thank you, everyone.
There we go. Good morning, everyone. Hi, uh, my name is Pete Noop, and I'm very happy to see you here, and we're very happy to welcome you to Genesis. Uh, for those of you who've been here for 3,000 times, or maybe the first time, welcome. And uh, please take a moment to fill out, uh, to let us know you're here by filling out the digital connection card on our website or the physical green card if you're here and it's located right in front of you in your pew. If you're new to Genesis, please also text all in one word, new to Genesis to 94000. So please do that. And so you can place that physical green card if you fill it out in the wooden box at the back of the sanctuary. And it's also the place where you can place your offering if you've brought it with you. And we really thank you so much for those, for everyone who gives online or, um, or via text or also obviously in that box as well. So we here at Genesis are having an equipping weekend and that is Saturday, May 6th at 9 a.m. starting at 9 through 12, right here at Genesis. And Alex and Hannah Absalom will be joining us for the weekend of May 5th through 7th. So join us on Saturday morning, May 6th, from 9 a.m. to 12, to learn how to be more deliberate with words of encouragement for others. And it sounds like, you know, what we've heard even in testimony time, that we've had moments like that where God is calling us to do that. And it's like, how... Maybe how can we, you're asking yourself the question of how can we even possibly be more effective to hearing God and being that for others. So it sounds like that'd be a great time for that. So we long to be a people who bring good news and blessings when we open our mouths. I, I would say that's very true for me as well. Child care will be provided for this training on Saturday morning. Yep. Um. Let me share two minutes why this is important and why we decided on this for us as a community. Um, I know you guys love Venn diagrams. Anybody a big fan of Venn diagrams? Yes, major Venn diagram people. Um, one of the things that we say about us, we have a few pillars that we ground ourselves in. One of them is a pillar of belonging. We want to create a context for people to belong. But another one is a, a pillar of calling, meaning we want to be shaped by Jesus. And some of our calling is very unique to each of us in our gifts, but other calling is, is very um, global. It's very open to us all to be shaped like Jesus. And one of the things with Jesus, he was a life giver. And so this calling training that's happening on the Saturday morning is about being life givers. And so let me share why this is important. This is a Venn diagram that was shared to me through an organization, organization called Restoration Project. It's primarily built for fathers that are trying to help men be brothers and fathers, but this applies for humans. And it also applies for why we're doing Saturday morning. This is about being human, but the context will be in a relationship between a parent and a child. And so here's the Venn diagram on here, and you can see two axes here. On the, on the vertical, we have being a life giver, life giving, or death dealing. And horizontally, we have this axis of being engaged or being passive. And so you can be, there's a quadrant for those. So that first left-hand quarter quadrant where somebody is life-giving but passive is called an everyday person, an everyday Jane and Joe. That would be your parent in the car, your child is talking to you, they're sharing all sorts of intimate details about your life, you're giving them all the positive reinforcement like you're listening, 
oh, wonderful, so good. Oh, wow, I can't believe that. That is so great, but you're not listening. Right? You're, you're, you're pretending in that way. You're, you're life-giving in all of your feedback, but you're disengaged. That's the everyday encounter. We're not trying to be cruel or mean, but we're mo- most of the time, we're not really present. But if we go down, what about the passive person and the death dealer? They're dealing death. This is the couch potato. They're driving along in the car. The child is sharing their heart. They're, they're telling about things that are going on. And all of a sudden, the parent just turns the radio up. Disengaged and dealing death in that moment. All right, well, how about the other lower right-hand quadrant? This is the one who is engaged in death dealing. This is the jackass. This is the one, so that scenario, what does this look like? This is engaged in dealing harm. This is the worst quadrant. But okay, so they're driving along the car, the, ki- the child is sharing, they're talking about what is going on, and in that moment of de- dealing death, the parent says, don't you ever shut up. Right, you can see the harm in the moment of those words. But what about this upper left-hand quadrant of life-giving and engaged? Well, this is the encourager. This is the quadrant which Jesus lived in. He was engaged in relationships and gave life. And this is the quadrant that we want to live in. Whether we're dealing with a waitress or a clerk or our best friends or a neighbor or children or grandchildren or whoever it is, we want to be present with them, listening and then breathing life and giving words of life. This is the encourager. This is the edifier. This is the builder, and this matters. Because all of us find ourselves in every one of those quadrants. Every one of us. And we want to live into the life of Jesus more. So uh, Hannah and Alex are coming just to say, oh, Lord, have mercy, and let us live. Let us be builders. Let us be encouragers. That's what Saturday morning is going to be about. We think it's going to be worthwhile for anyone who's human and wants to be someone who speaks life. Saturday night is going to be out equipping in the naturally supernatural, but also in a neighborhood based. So that's going to be on a neighborhood on Saturday night from, from seven to nine. On, uh, we texted out this morning RSVP links to both of those trainings. Um, you can also find it on our e-blast and things like that, and Pete will give some more of those details. This is why we believe this matters. This is why we've chosen it. This is why we're paying to bring these people in and flying them in. This is why we're creating the space for all of us, because Jesus was a life giver. And, and we want to be too. So, cool? Makes sense? Perfect. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, and so just to reiterate that uh, Saturday evening from 7 till 9 on that evening, we will also have Alex and Hannah, and they will be talking about the naturally supernatural in our neighborhoods. So the equipping time will happen in a home, and all are invited. So mark your calendars and plan to come to both of those. Plan to eat with us also on Saturday, uh, Sunday, May 7th, after the service. Exactly, right, Andrew? And bring your favorite party appetizer, and we, we will provide food from the grill. So you get that, bring an appetizer, and we'll also have stuff from the grill already. So we will be celebrating our graduating seniors on that day. So that's an exciting thing. During our connection time that's coming up right now, we want to get feedback on whether or not you participated in the digital Lent calendar. And so we're going to have some surveys on that and some, we want to get your feedback on that. And we're handing those out right now. So 
right now we're going to have connection time and just turn around and speak to your neighbors around you. Thanks.
Good morning again. So um, I was informed that that was, that's not a Venn diagram. That's a Cartesian plane. So um, just so you can have your facts straight, it's a Cartesian plane. Right, and if you if you do point out mistakes, there's usually five or six a week, and you get a prize. But good morning, we're in the season of Easter tide, and it flows in the church calendar out of Easter, and it's going to lead up to Pentecost, which is like the birth of the church. But these weeks are continuing to remind us about the resurrection of Jesus, and the importance of it in our lives. The reality of it, the good news of it, the hope and the life that it brings. And so we're finding ourselves again in a resurrection text, the day of the resurrection of Jesus. This is in Luke 24. And in this text, it brings in quite more despair, more conversation, more illumination. People who are, who are, who, who are in the dumps, who have lost hope. And I think there's a context for so many of us who find ourselves with heaviness and weariness, with greater expectations than are being met currently, and finding ourselves in struggle. And the light of the good news within the midst of struggle. I mean, uh, Derek was having us sing that song about no weapon being formed against us, and it felt like every day there were stories about weapon being used to kill people. In our own country, ridiculous sort of scenarios of people living in some sort of fear and shooting innocent people. Or as Dan was saying in Sudan, where there's two warlords battling and, and with generals fighting each other and, and hurting people. And this whole sense of violence just per, being perpetuated everywhere. Everywhere. And it's like, oh, we thought there would be a different way. And so you may have found yourself in the need of hope. And those are just a couple scenarios that are dealing with violence and the multitude of scenarios that each of us are facing within the context of our friends and family are immense. But we believe that there is something for us. Thank you so much, Nate. I am, I'm a loud drinker, and I'm going to apologize. Okay. Uh, would you pray with me? This is a prayer. We're following the Revised Common Lectionary, which I am just benefiting so much. We're following with, the, with churches who are teaching from a set text, and I've been loving this text. And this is one of the prayers for today. And this is, uh, we titled this a prayer of illumination. If you can, I would love for you to, oh, beautiful. Thank you, Ryan. Would you stand with me? And would, would we read this together? This, that as you will see as we look at the Luke 24 text, the road to Emmaus, this prayer is a prayer based upon this kind of story. And so let's corporately pray. Elusive God, companion on the way, you walk behind, beside, beyond, you catch us unawares. Break through the disillusionment and despair clouding our vision, that with wide-eyed wonder we may find our way and journey on as messengers of your good news. Amen.
Amen. I loved in John's account of the resurrection that the arc of the story of God wanting to birth a family. It's a family metaphor. There are legal metaphors in the scripture, but they don't end there. They end with this arc of union, of beloved, of family, of us being birthed from above. This is the ark. It's about being able to participate in the fullness of God and being included in it. God is birthing a people for himself. And that is us, by God's divine love with who God is. It's a mystery. But this is what God is doing, is he invites us to participate in the oneness and the love and the beauty of God. And we get to participate in that, and we also get to participate in it through baptism. When we saw people on Easter, when they were immersed into the death of Jesus, and then risen out of the death into new life in Jesus, participating in his death and his life. We also get to participate in the body and the blood of Jesus through communion. But Jesus, in his great commandment that he gave to us, he said, oh, follow me and participate in my life, that's following Jesus, by picking up your cross. Meaning, go the way of Jesus, a voluntary, sacrificial love for others. A costly love. And Jesus said, you don't know now what I'm doing. Now, that was washing the feet, and that was the picture. But he was referencing his death and resurrection. And he was saying, as my disciples, participate in my life by loving that way. That's what full participation looks like. In the family of God that is big and robust how do we do that how do we live this life of sacrificial love like Jesus and, and find and find ourselves sustained over the journey because it is a pilgrimage it is a long journey and I believe this story in Luke 24 shows us of Jesus provision upon us on the way on the road and in the bread, how we're sustained to be able to participate in the life of God and the love of God for our lives. So that's what we want to look at today. So let's read this together. Feel free to follow along. This is in Luke 24, verse 13 to 35. This is Luke's account of the resurrection. Uh, angels have just shown themselves to a few visitors at the tomb, and Jesus' body is not there. And this is where it picks up in Luke 24. Now that same day, that is that Sunday, two of them, these were disciples, were going to the village of Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked, they discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood there with faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet and powerful word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. 
But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are. How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going to go further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and sang, It's true! The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Now this story is more than two people running a half marathon. Seven miles there and seven miles back. This is a story of encountering Jesus on the road of life and a story of encountering Jesus in the bread. This is a story of Jesus being encountered. This is a story of Jesus coming alongside and walking with them. There was a Japanese theologian who said, what is the speed of God? And the theologian said, it's three miles per hour. And they said, why? Because that's the speed of walking. And it's a God who walks with us. That's the speed of God. Not a sprinter. Not the speed of a cheetah or a, 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 a peregrine falcon. I watch a lot of wild crats in my house. <laughs> but three miles per hour. The speed in which God walks is his speed. It's so beautiful that on this journey of God meeting us on the way, the road of life, a lot of times we get encounters from Jesus and they didn't know it. For two and a half hours, they're walking and talking. And Jesus is even opening the scriptures to reveal about the Messiah. And they still did not know that Jesus was with them. And it wasn't until later, upon recollection, when they're sitting there and reflecting, they said to each other, hey, wasn't something happening deep in your heart when, when he spoke to us about the scriptures and about the Messiah? And upon recollection, they pointed him back and they said, yes, 
Something was happening there, but in the moment, they didn't realize it. It was happening, but in recollection, they realized it, and they said, wow, that was, that was a moment. That was a happening of life being birthed into us. And Jesus took them through the scriptures, people who knew the scriptures. Now, when they say the scriptures, they're meaning the Hebrew scriptures. When the Bible says scriptures, it always means the Hebrew scriptures. And so the scriptures, the Jewish text, walked them through it, but specifically pointing to a storyline they had no clue about, a storyline of suffering and betrayal and brokenness and abandonment and a storyline of resurrection. Upon recollection, their eyes, upon the bread, they were open, but upon recollection, they said, oh, yes. What I love about this story that I think is for us is that we can expect to encounter Jesus on the road of life in unexpected ways. You can't schedule this. You can create patterns and rhythms, but it's a gift. Of encountering Jesus. It seems to always be a surprise, and in the moment, we don't usually recognize it. As in this story, it's in recollection, looking back, that we're able to see it. As we're attentive to our spiritual journey, we'll have moments in our recollection that we will recognize that Jesus was with us. Oh, that, that was Jesus. Oh, that was Jesus um, moving and bringing this to me. That was Jesus in these people because the people of God are the hands and feet of Jesus moving in the same way that Sam talked about this morning of all of these people calling his cousin again and again and reassuring them. What was at work there? Jesus was at work there. And upon recollection, we will realize it's Jesus who was making this happen. Encountering Jesus on the road of life is typically individual. And it's mostly unscheduled. Where have you encountered Jesus on the road of life? Where is it that you have been walking along and as you recollected, you're like, that was, that was good. That was good news for me. My heart felt awakened within that experienced beauty and kindness and grace and the love of God. Was there a moment in recollection that you could say, that was Jesus? I believe all of us have had these moments. They're available for us, the present God walking with us on, on life and in life. I can remember a number of them, but like most humans, we forget, right? We, we forget unless we leave markers for them, unless we write them down and keep a record of these encounters where Jesus meets us on the way. For me, they happen more often than I remember. And if we say it at first, they can make it sound like these encounters with Jesus are rare. 
But I believe upon recollection and practice and intentionality, we would come to see that they're actually not rare. We're just not attentive. All along, there's encounters where Jesus is wanting to get our attention. Edward, Ed here, is a Jesuit. He he practices Ignatius spirituality. And Ignatius spirituality, the prayer of examine is one of those. And the prayer of examine is this beautiful tool that we use recollection in the day to say, where did we sense that God was the nearest? When did we sense God near? And they ask that question every day for the hope and the belief of remembering and have a recollection of what, where Jesus was. All of a sudden we realize and we remember, oh, do you not remember my heart was burning in this moment? I experienced a sense of beauty or hope or love, something good in that moment, and through recollection we remember and we point to and say, oh, that was Jesus. They also, in that practice, they practice uh, moments of, of uh, where, where did God seem the farthest? Where was that? How interesting on this story that these, we could say that, oh, as they walked and they talked, their heads were downcast. That's when he seemed the furthest. And all of a sudden, their hearts began to burn within them as Jesus began to spoke with them. And what a beautiful practice. I have stories of encountering Jesus on the road of life. where Jesus meets in unexpected ways in people sharing good news with me. I'd encountered Jesus when I was like 15, and um, sometimes when you go to church, you feel like you're supposed to then be good at this thing of being a Christian or whatever it is. You know, you're, you're like, what is, how, how do we actually live this life? And I remember as a high schooler being like, I'm not good at this. This doesn't seem to be natural. I didn't really know how to walk in it. And there was an older woman, Sam, who spoke of very similar words over me at a time where I'm like, ah, this, this, this must not be for me. I had encountered Jesus, so I was like, this must not be for me. And she was like, come, this is, this is your place, this is your family. Be here. It's not about being good. I was still living in a world of expectations and approval, not in a world of being loved. And that was an encounter of Jesus for me. It took years of recollection to be able to see, oh, that was Jesus speaking to me. I've had multiple moments. I've had times as a a husband and as a father and as a friend and as a neighbor and as a pastor where Jesus met me in all sorts of scenarios. Encountering Jesus on the way. I can, I can remember trying to, wanting to learn of Jesus, and there's so many voices out there who are saying, this is who Jesus is, and this is what Jesus did, and here's what Jesus taught, and here's how you faithfully teach what Jesus did, and there's so many competing voices, it can whiplash you. And the world is even more whiplashy today than it was 20 years ago. But I remember I was wrestling to some of the teachings of Jesus, and a friend of mine handed me a teaching of 
a man in Ohio who had debilitating rheumatoid arthritis. And he was teaching on Jesus' teachings of divorce and remarriage. I remember hearing that and listening to his love for Jesus and him teach about a first century Jewish Jesus in the context of Jesus being Jewish and Eastern and not applying all of our Western ideas to the text and my heart being illuminated by this good news of who Jesus was and talking about covenant and relationships and was like, oh, this, this person was Jesus to me as they opened the scriptures for me. And I can remember the same thing as I was wrestling through Jesus's teaching on go make disciples, the Great Commission. And I would go around to all these churches and be like, hey, how are you doing this? And, and, and ashamedly, no one had an answer. That was like more than like go to church and do a small group and serve coffee, you know, something like that. Um, and some friends was like, hey, I... I I know some people who are attempting to truly follow what Jesus said and giving some tools based upon what Jesus said. And I remember going with some friends and hearing some other teachers talk about some simple principles about living the life of Jesus and what discipleship looked like based upon the teachings of Jesus. Not perfection, but they opened the scriptures to this beauty of this invitation to join and to follow Jesus that was, um, that was doable. Meaning like, oh, I could share this with someone else. It offered so much hope. I can also remember struggling with some of the violent storylines of the gospel. Struggling with some of this language that, that seems to not align. And then being having teachers who opened the scriptures and began to illuminate this storyline about Jesus being the perfect, the perfect revelation of the Father and opening the scriptures in this way and my heart burning within and in that encountering Jesus. Those are ones as a teacher and that, but they've happened often. We can expect to meet Jesus on the road. And it's within recollection that we are encountering. Where have you? Do you recall moments of meeting Jesus on the way? Does it feel rare for you? If so, would you be willing to have eyes open more so to the belief that Jesus is actually wanting to meet you on the road? Longing for you to encounter him in your life regularly? I can remember encountering Jesus on recollection through the um, Tony Hawk documentary, Till the Wheels Fall Off. Anyone watch that? Do Tony Hawk's documentary, Till the Wheels Fall Off, anybody? I met Jesus in it. That doesn't mean that you will, but as I recollected on that, Jesus began to whisper into the storylines. There was a rock climbing movie that I encountered Jesus in as well. I think it's called, um, the, it's about the El Capitan's nose. It's about this guy doing this, creating a new route. You know, I've seen that. It came out maybe five or six years ago. Oh, gee. in recollection, I encountered Jesus in that movie. 
We can encounter Jesus anywhere and everywhere in the pilgrimage of life. There is no um, form which Jesus will not step into in order to reach out to us to encounter him. But in recollection, we can. So I asked you to ask that question. Where have you encountered him? And there's more for you. And so I encourage you, ask the question regularly. In the evening, maybe even start with a small practice of saying, where did I see God? Where did I feel the closest to God today? Where did I experience God's love today? Was my heart um, burning within me? Was there a heightened sense of emotion and joy any time today? Could that have been Jesus? And begin to reflect upon those. There'll be some moments in life that are undeniable. Well, you'll want to build something in response. But you can believe that this is the love of God who's planning for us to encounter Jesus on the road of life. But this story is just not about that. How cool is it in this story that they do encounter Jesus on the road of life, but they do not recognize it. They don't recognize it when the scriptures were opened. They don't recognize it on the journey. When do they recognize it? In the bread. In the bread. Boom! Their eyes are opened. In the bread of Jesus. As Jesus takes the bread, gives thanks, which is a very Jewish thing to do when they talk about blessing God. There's a daily blessing that is ancient. In English, it goes something like this. Blessed are you, the Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings up bread from the earth. That's an ancient prayer. Do you think it has any... Do you think that in the creation of that prayer, that anyone knew that Jesus would be called the bread of life that gives life to everyone? That, that comes up from the earth, the bread. They pray that prayer, he breaks it, their eyes are open, and Jesus disappears. In the bread, they encounter Jesus. I didn't come from a tradition that practiced, well, I take that back. Um, my parents, before they divorced, we were Catholic, so I was baptized as an infant went to Catholic school up until third grade, and I did my first communion. And as a part of going to Catholic school, we, we did, um, you know, went to mass, but we stopped going to third grade, so I don't know how many actually communions I participated in before that did, but the Catholic mass is centered around the table. The center of it is around the bread of encountering Jesus in this communal, scheduled practice. I don't mean practice, but this mystical, this sacred mystery of encountering Jesus in the bread. There's other traditions that center their whole worship. One of my, a person, a dearly loved brother in Rochester, Father Ken Tanner, 
oh, I, I love him dearly. He teaches me a lot. And he sent their, their worship is centered around the breaking of the bread and the getting in the wine weekly. And it's like, oh, why? Because we encounter Jesus. Because it's a reminder of the life and the death of Jesus. It's a proclamation of the resurrection of Jesus and the return of Jesus for all who practice it. Because it's an invitation to the table to come again, being reminded that now it's a table, not a temple. It's a family coming to a table, feasting on the body and the blood of Jesus. We encounter Jesus in the bread. It's communal, it's common, and it's scheduled. That's what Brian Zan describes it. It's a sacred mystery in which we encounter Christ. How? I do not know. I love what Brian Zan says about this. He says, this is a confession, not an explanation. I'm not explaining how, but it's a confession. We encounter Jesus. In the bread. And when I hear this encouragement, we confess that Jesus is present in the bread and the wine as well as he is present on us in the road. Whether he's present as well as he's present within us, and well, he's present in our bodies as we offer ourselves in the way of the cross and sacrificial voluntary love to others, as Jesus did. He's with us and in us. And so when I hear others encouraging me in that way, I would say, oh, I need more of that. We were meeting with the elders, and they, we were encouraging. We tried to discern, and the elders were saying, hey, we've been hearing from our body. I think we need more of this. The bread. It's a reminder of this. We need, we need more of this. This communal, this common, this practice, the scheduled confession that Christ is present in the bread and wine. This is about ongoing participation. We're participating. We're participating. Not perfectly, but we're participating in this body of Jesus. How do we participate again? Let us remind us before we, we get into this one. We participate with Jesus, by following Jesus in the way of Jesus, which is to love others as Jesus loved us. That's how we participate in the life of Jesus. It's voluntary and it's self-sacrificial for the good of others. That's how you participate. We also participate in the death and resurrection through baptism. You baptize and you participate in this death and resurrection is beautiful. If you have never been baptized, there's no reason you shouldn't be. Come and participate. That's a one time. But on an ongoing way, we participate in the body and the blood of Jesus through the breaking of bread and the drinking of wine. And this is what First Corinthians said. Now, again, they were talking about idolatry, and he was using this in another way, but it's, it's, the context is still clear. Is not the cup of thanksgiving... He's referencing this like cup of wine, thanksgiving, of gratitude. It was a ble blessing. It's that thanksgiving is those blessings that they would pray. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe, who poured forth the fruit of the vine. Another blessing. 
Is not this cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ, a fellowship, a communion? Koinonia is the Greek term, but participation, I love that word. Because there's one loaf, and we, who are many, are one body. We all share the one loaf. This is a participation in the body and the blood of Jesus. Jesus, when he's teaching in John 6, and he's, again, this was left for us as an account after Jesus was, had risen and died. But this was written for us so that we might believe that Jesus was the Messiah, that we might see his death and resurrection and say, oh, I see. And so John 6, here's what Jesus and he said to them, very truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Jesus is talking about us living. This, this is not a courtroom. This is about us having life, living. And he says, come and eat in the same way that the Father sent me, and I have life in me. You too will have life in you, the life of God in you, the life of God in you that moves you into the life of God, which is abundant and that moves out into the world through voluntary self-sacrificial love. But he says, oh, that's the life that is to be in you, so eat and drink of my life. Communal, common and scheduled, offered for us to encounter Jesus in the bread and the wine. We don't have to explain why or how. It's a confession. And in that confession, we say, Christ is present to feed us. Christ is opening the table for us. And we are coming as his family to feed on Jesus, to encounter Jesus in the bread and the wine. We find our life in God and we are one with God. And the invitation is to come with humility. To not pretend to be something you're not. And to, not, to do not stop others from coming. And so, that is our teaching. That's our encouragement for today. This opportunity of encountering Jesus. And knowing that this is this pilgrimage of life which we encounter and we need to encounter Jesus regularly as we walk in this life to live the life of Jesus. So I encourage us today 
we're going to have the immediate practice where we're going to receive. And I wanted to do this um, a, a, a tad bit more participatory. I've asked Bill and, and Sandra to, to offer us the bread and the juice. I picked up um, a loaf here, and there's a way to come up and just to pull off a piece. And in that, Sandra's just going to say something simple. This is the body given for you. And Bill will offer the juice. And as he does, he will say something simple. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. This is a participation for all of us to participate in it, encountering Jesus in these elements. And everyone is welcome to this table. And so we open it in that way. If you're stepping to the table and you've never been baptized, that's not an issue. Be baptized. Let us know. We're going to throw a barbecue and baptism this summer. We're going to celebrate. And we're going to participate in that death and resurrection of Jesus through baptism. And for those of you who said, I've never done that. I haven't participated in that. This invitation into that. Those of you who get to see Katie do it on Easter, which was so awesome. Petey, who stepped into it on Easter. Today's Petey's birthday as well, if you guys see him today. Amanda stepped into it, and Sam. Participating in the life of Jesus. And all of them are still participating in the life of Jesus, and we heard Sam's testimony. I heard Jesus wanting me to love a friend. Sacrificial, voluntary, self-giving love. I'm going to call him, and it might sound weird but I'm going to do it. So we invite you to come and to participate in this today. Uh, so I'm going to, oh, and um, if walking or getting up or moving forward, if you're like, you know what, um, that's harder for me. I'm going I'm to invite you, stay in your seat. And as the line goes, Bill and Sandra are going to walk through and they're going to look and just raise your hand and they will bring the elements to you. And so if you want to stay in your seat, wait, and we'll make sure everyone is served in that way. But otherwise, I'm going to have Derek and the band come up. I've asked Derek to play this song. Emad played this song. It's about coming to the table. It's beautiful. And I threw that out there to Derek to do so. But before we do so, I also want to have us engage in a confession before we step up and receive. And so I'll let the band get up in there. And church, would you stand with me? As we pray this ancient prayer together, this was an ancient prayer that was used as a prayer of confession. And this is just our posture as we come to receive the life of Jesus, is to say we receive it with humility. We're not pretending to be anyone that we're not, and we're not stopping anyone from coming. And so with our um, hearts open to receive of the sacred mystery of Jesus, let's pray this together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done, by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We're truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us. 
that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And we invite you to come and receive. All the sinners and the saints, all the broken and ashamed, all the ones who fell away, come to the table. All the lost and the forgotten, all the weary and unwanted, all the ones who don't know grace, come to the table I'll lay down. I'll let go of my heaviness I'll lay down I'll let go of my heaviness All the sinners and the saints All the broken and ashamed all the ones who fell away come to the table all the lost and forgotten all the weary and unwanted all the ones who don't know grace come to the table i'll lay down i'll let go of my heaviness I'll lay down, I'll let go of my heaviness. All I need to know is I'm in your love now. All I need to know is I'm in your love. All I need to know is I'm in your love now. All I need to know is I'm in your love now. All I need to know is I'm in your love. All I need to know is I'm in your love. Cause you're where I want to be. At your table, I have a place. I have a name. My Savior, you are the grace that washed my shame. At your table, I have a place, I have a name. My Savior, you are the grace that washed my shame. It's amazing, it's amazing, it's amazing. It's amazing, it's amazing, it's amazing. All I need to know is I'm in your love now. All I need to know is I'm in your love now. All I need to know is I'm in your love now. All I need to know is I'm in your love now. All I need to know is I'm in your love now. All I need to know is I'm in your love. You're where I want to be 
at your table. I have a place. I have a name. My Savior, you are the grace that washed my shame away. You're at the table. I have a place. I have a name. My Savior, you are the grace wash my shame it's amazing it's amazing it's amazing it's amazing it's amazing it's amazing All the sinners and the saints, all the broken and ashamed, all the ones who fell away, come to the table, all the lost and forgotten, all the weary and unwanted, all the ones who don't know grace, come to the table, I'll lay down. I'll let go of my heaviness. I'll lay down. I'll let go of my heaviness. All the sinners and the saints, all the broken and ashamed. All the ones who fell away come to the table. All the lost and forgotten, all the weary and unwanted, all the ones who don't know grace come to the table. I'll lay down, I'll let go of my heaviness. I'll lay down, I'll let go of my heaviness. All I need to know is I'm in your love now. All I need to know is I'm in your love. All I need to know is I'm in your love now. All I need to know is I'm in your love now. All I need to know is I'm in your love. All I need to know is I'm in your love. You're where I want to be. At your table, I have a place, the name. My Savior, you are the grace that washed my shame. At your table, I have a place, I have a name. My Savior, you are the grace that washed my name. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. All the sinners and the saints, all the broken and ashamed, 
All the ones who fell away come to the table. Thank you so much, Bill and Sandra. Does anyone need to be served? Anybody in need? If you've already eaten, you're okay. But for, I saw a lot of people were holding, so it's like, oh, let's do it together. If you're on Zoom, you are not alone. You are in the body, connected. The life of Jesus is for you as well. You're not without on Facebook. For those of you who found yourselves homebound, if you can participate, we invite you, grab something, or just receive the breath of life upon you. Thank you so much. Jesus, we thank you for your body broken for us. We bless you. So blessed are you, the king of the universe who brings bread from the earth. We bless your name, God, who brings the fruit of the vine and your bloodshed for us your body broken for us, and your life for us. It is our confession. Amen. Let's eat and drink. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. Have a a great Sunday. May you continue to encounter the risen Jesus to fuel you for this journey of proclaiming God's love to the world, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your family, and being reminded of yourself. Have a great, great Sunday. Feel free to register for some of those training events coming up. God bless you. We'll see you soon.